Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the... And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. I am your host, Gil Martin. Great to be with you here as we break down Saturday's tough loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, of course, we will preview tonight's game in Washington against the Capitals. And today we have a special guest on the Locked On Islanders podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome in from Sports Talk 1240 and also the vice president and past president of the Islanders Booster Club, the one and only Gary Harding. And, Gary, how are you today? Gil, how's everything going? It's going all right. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing all right. Um, you know, as you said, a little bit of a uh, tough defeat uh, at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that's been unbelievably blue flame hot. Um, but, you know, looking at the game, uh, I, w- I was at a viewing party with about 55 to 60 uh, fellow Islander fans watching the game. Uh, most people really believe that they – that the Islanders didn't play that bad of a game, you know, you know, it's always those typical one or two little mistakes that tends to bite you in the rear end. But um, it looks like right now, the way this team is constructed, you know, there, they, there's a severe need to be able to put the pocket in that. And right now that's going to be, you know, a big panacea, you know, for this team coming uh, in the next couple of weeks with this road trip coming up. Yeah, road trip. And then, of course, the trade deadline now just a couple of weeks away as we speak. Let's go back and talk a little bit about that game against Tampa Bay. Uh, You know, Islanders had their fair share of of shots at times, but, you know, only 18 shots on goal for the game. Do you think that the offense tested Vasilevsky enough and, and what happened? Why were they only able to get 18 shots on goal watching that game? Hey, well, it seems that Tampa Bay um, is kind of a swarming team. And, and I think that was mostly evident in the third period because I believe they only had four or five shots on net. Obviously, one of them was uh, was in credited to Derek Broussard. But, um, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, can beat you in so many ways. And, and I, I think it was pretty much evident through the game because number one, they've got tremendous speed. You look at Johnson and Stamkos and Kucherov and those guys can, can fly. And you got guys on the defensive end, you know, Victor Hedman's a great example, you know, that he can play a solid 200 foot game. And, you know, they've got so many weapons. They can beat you. Like I said, they can beat you with speed. They can beat you with power because they look like they, they, they are a huge team in many aspects. So it, it's, it's very difficult to, you know, put 
something down as to the reason they, you know, they lost because in, in a sense they, you know, they, they played the three different styles of their game, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, to a T and, um, you know, especially in that third period, they really, I really felt that they put the clamps on, on the Islanders offensive, uh, you know, possibilities, you know, they, they want, they lost a lot of battles in the corners, things that they were doing better in the second, the first and second period. But, um, you know, like I said, you, you're playing, you're playing against a team right now that is incredibly hot and, uh, Tampa showed why they're going to be, you know, uh, battling for the number one spot overall in the league again this year yeah tampa bay no question one of the elite teams in the league and certainly in the eastern conference when i was watching that game the thing that bothered me the most or concerned me the most was the the second goal by the lightning just just seemed to me that the islanders defense you know was a little too passive on that play and 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 it just resulted in a very very good scoring opportunity and, and I, I i don't blame varlamov for anything with regard to that goal no i think he i think uh Semyon played a very good game um you know he was he was very you know when he is when he to me when he's on his game his his movements are minimalistic you know he does you know sometimes i think when he gets too demonstrative and going from either going from side to side or from you know, uh, you know, trying to challenge the shooters. That's when he gets, when unfortunately, when he gets beaten. So, yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's, there's no qualms at all about, about Varlamov's play, play last night. But again, as I, as I said in the beginning, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, with this team lately, you know, after the, you know, after the big 17 game point streak, that, you know, the situation that they, you know, that the one little blunder, you know, a lot most times it doesn't cause you know, has a cause and effect to be a goal. But in, in the Islanders' case lately, every time they make one of these silly plays on the back end or they miss an assignment or, you know, in the case of Devon Taves going in to, you know, kind of pinch at the blue line leading to that, you know, that chance, you know, it, it, it always seems to bite them in the rear end. And, you know, you know, especially with 30 games left in the season and everything going into, you know, such tight, you know, a tight mode, you know, first to sixth place can be, you know, three wins and you can drop down so fast, you know, they can't afford to have these kind of games and have these kind of situations. No, no question about that. And look, you, you look at this game, it was a two to one hockey game before the empty net goal. You're on the road in Tampa playing one of the hottest and best teams in the league. The Islanders did go toe to toe with them for 59 minutes, really. Absolutely, and I and I think Barry uh, Trotz even said it in the post game. You know, he wasn't he was not unhappy with their performance. He felt that you know that they played well. You know, it's one of those situations. You know, where you know they had every opportunity to win, and you know they got a goal in the third period. They you know they they you know made it to a one goal deficit, and you know despite the fact that they didn't put the shots on, you know, had the physical shots on goal. They were not. They were not pa- a passive team in that in that third period. You know, they just they just couldn't get the pucks on net. Um, so you know, as I said, you know, you you lost the game three one. You didn't get the two points in the standings that you wanted to get. But you know, as a fan or as a, as a student of the sport watching the game, you can't you can't say that the Islanders did not play a bad game. It's just un, it's just the unfortunate of you know, two bad plays and an empty netter just, just cost them the two points. 
one thing that has been an issue for this team throughout the season is trying to find a consistent third line. Kiefer Bellows called up, uh, you know, the two-goal performance last week and the assist in his first NHL game. Yeah, it's a small sample size, three games, but your initial thoughts on Kiefer Bellows and what he's added to this lineup. You know, it was, you know, it, it's just interesting how it worked out that, you know, when Kiefer had one goal in his first 19 games in Bridgeport and Brent Thompson decided to have him watch from the, uh, from the press box for two games. And, you know, maybe, you know, that was the thing that, that, that's turned him around. Um, I know I talked with a bunch of people during the season and all I kept saying is, you know, he's never going to be the player that you want him to be unless he learned how to play the Islander way and play the 200 foot game. And, um, Obviously, he showed that in Bridgeport, getting 16 goals and in 20-something games was the player of the month in the, NH- in the AHL and, and got his chance to come here. And, you know, despite the fact that he didn't have a shot on goal on Saturday and still played 11 or 12 minutes, he's not, he's not disappointed. You know, he's not, um, he's not missing his assignments. You know, you know he's, he's, being a, he's a typical rookie, but he's, he's obviously the two home games, he, he definitely took advantage uh, of his opportunities. And I, I, he has not disappointed. And that was the thing that scared me uh, when they called him is that I just didn't, I was hoping he was not going to revert to the, the type of play that, that put him on the bench in Bridgeport. And um, like I said, you know, you said it's a small sample size. It's three games. That's thirty something minutes of uh, of ice time, and you know, with a big, uh, you know, five games and eight days coming up, you know, it's it's going to be a big test for him. And and you know, hopefully he goes out and plays with the same kind of attitude and and works with, uh, you know, Broussard and the gang to um, to better his play and and help that third line try to get some opportunities and get some uh, get some pucks on the net. You know, one thing that was encouraging looking at the at the box score, uh, Bellows tied with Derek Broussard for the team lead with five hits against the Lightning. Yeah, um, that's been, you know, he said, he, you know, in his, I guess, self-analysis uh, self, um, of himself that he always felt that, you know, he, you know, he likes to shoot, but he likes to be physical and likes to get, you know, into the dirty areas. And, you know, that that's, you know, what the uh, Barry Trot system always is, is you're going to want to see your, his players, you know, get, get dirty and, you know, uh, you know, get the, get the battles and try to get the puck out of the corners, you know, either to the slot or to, you know, in, or into the point. So yes, you know, it, it's great to see that, you know, he's, uh, you know, kept that, that little that passion going and that, that physical play going, you know, uh, you know, is he going to remind me of a Brady Kachuk or a Matthew Kachuk? No, I don't think so. But, you know, but, you know, get the hitting going, get the uh, the passion going, and uh, that could help him out to, to make him stay here for the long run. You talk about getting into those dirty areas, and, and the Islanders' one goal on Saturday night was just that. It was on the power play, but Derek Broussard, you know, just outside the crease on that play, and I love the move that Josh Bailey made to make that goal possible. Absolutely. And uh, you, you, you know, Gil, from uh, our experience that, you know, I'm, I'm a very big Josh Bailey fan and, 
you know, he doesn't seem to get a lot of the credit he deserves from the uh, from the faithful, despite the uh, the change in the uh, the song now to him as a as a ode to him as opposed to a dig to him. But uh, yeah, um, you know, that's what this team really needs. They need to, um, you know, stat- they need to establish that power play. Bringing Jim Hiller in from Toronto to replace Scott Gomez, you know, was a big thing, and you know, the numbers didn't haven't seemed to show it enough. And uh, obviously, you know, it's also a credit to the fact that they're least, the least penalite, uh, least power play team in a league, you know, as, the number of, as far as number of opportunities are concerned. But they, you know, that's that's going to be crucial, you know, for the next 25 to 30 games is they need to get um, goals from the power play, you know, because you, you know and I know they're they're down in the bottom third in the league in goal scoring. And if you're going to try to make a difference, you know, in the last month of the season and then heading, heading into April and playoff time, you know, you need, you need in, uh, contributions from everybody, you know, last couple of games, the third line, you know, has been very good and it's been their, their, their problem child for most of the season, but they need to be able to get contributions up and down the 12 forwards in order to uh, be a successful team. You talk a little bit about the need to do that and the trade deadline being as close as it is. What if you were to, if I said to you, okay, you're Lou Lamorello, uh, what do the Islanders need to do ideally at the trade deadline in order to make this team a top contender, one of, let's say, the top five or six contenders for the Stanley Cup this year? Yeah, I mean, yeah. As as we said, the big thing is, you know, you just, you know, yes, in playoffs and Stanley Cups, you know, defense, you know, usually it works from your goaltender out, you know, to be the most important. You know, goaltending, you know, is going to win you a Stanley Cup. Defense is going to help you do that, but you still need to, you know, you can't just rely on the, those two of the three facets of the game alone. You need, you need scoring. And right now, you know, despite the fact that they're this team is a very close knit group. They all get along great. You know, it, it's a there's a great amount of chemistry, but it's just not going to work. They need to do something. Um, right now, I believe, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but according, I believe, to cap friendly, the Islanders got somewhere around 16 million dollars in cap space available to use at the deadline. You know, that's a lot of money. You know, they're near near the top portion of the league in in amount. So, you know, you can go for that, that rental player. And, you know, obviously I think in the next week to 10 days, you're really going to get an idea of what teams are going to be buying and what teams are going to be selling and who's going to be available. You know, I'm just looking, uh, I just was looking, scrolling on the NHL network and Detroit beat Boston today. And Andreas Antetokounmpo just came back to the Red Wings and uh, had a multi-point game. And I know he's been, on the radar that, you know, that type of a player, you know, that a flashy, exciting guy that, you know, can put 25, 26 goals a year, you know, on your, on your roster, that kind of a player, they need, they need something else. You know, they need something to take the pressure off of line one and line two, you know, and, and, and let Barzell be able to freelance a little bit, you know, with being able to have that big, you know, a group of people, you know, in addition to what you have now. 
are there any other particular players who you have in mind that would be who are realistically available who would be a good addition to the Islanders? I know I've heard uh, Pajot from Ottawa. I've heard Tyler Toffoli as a possibility from the LA Kings. A anybody out there who you think really would be a great fit and a realistic uh, target for the Islanders? Well, truthfully, I guess I, I mentioned after the year, I, but to me, Pajot was is obviously been the one that's been on most people's radar. It's been on my radar, and I thought that was number one before I realized that Anthony C was coming back because I didn't expect him to be back until after the trade deadline. I think his injury uh, situation obviously improved to the point where he was able to come back faster. Um, but, yeah, they they really need, you know, to make a splash. You know, you've got draft picks. You've got, um, you know, a number of players that you could, you know, dangle, you know, in addition to, you know, the picks to try to get that player. And, and you know, we all know, you know, in the past, you know, Lou, Lou didn't do anything last year, but you know that there's the possibility that he, he's done. And in, in we know that he's done, you know, these kind of deadline deals that have been a difference, you know, in, in his years in New Jersey and even in Toronto. So, you know, you, you just hope as fans that you hope that, you're, you know, you're, we know that our general manager is working on, on something, I'm sure. But, you know, we just hope something comes to fruition. But like I said, it's a little too early now to, to really make speculation because you really got to see, I would say, over the next 10 days on how everything shapes up in the standings and, and looking how, you know, certain play, certain teams may be deciding, you know, to dump salary and, and get picks for next year because next year is supposed to be a very, uh, from what I hear, it's supposed to be a very outstanding draft, you know, with a lot of good players coming. So, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting 10 days, you know, or actually uh, two weeks before the trade deadline happens. No question. Uh, one big thing that hurt the Islanders, Adam Pellick's injury, uh, Noah Dobson sort of forced to play a little bit more than perhaps Barry Trotz would have liked or a little bit sooner uh, than they would have liked. Your thoughts on how the Islanders can go about replacing Pellick is Dobson enough for this playoff run, or do they need to also add a defenseman down the stretch? Well, uh, again, we've heard that too. There's been a couple of defensemen on the radar. I know um, when they mentioned, uh, you know, a deal with Pajot, that they're probably also possibly putting Ron Hainsey in there, who's been, you know, I mean, a 38-year-older, but but has been around the block many times and on many cup runs. And, you know, that's 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 another possibility but as far as Noah Dobson is concerned I, I'm very extremely pleased with how he's how he's played you know they've they've you know slowly increased his his ice time um he for a 20 year old kid and I expected this I really did beginning of the year I said this kid's got to stay there's no reason for him to you know to go back down to junior hockey and and you know have guys like Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty you know, really work with him and, and, and show him the ropes and make him feel comfortable. And you see it in this play. You, you see, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, you saw a lot of times where Dobson was kind of looking down at the puck instead of looking at vision and trying to, trying to figure, you know, uh, where's going to be, you know, two passes ahead, if you will, or look, you know, look up ice much more than he, than he was. And you, and you see that maturity, that confidence, um, you know, 
he does not look like a 20-year-old hockey player anymore. And, you know, it, again, you know, I think with the, with the amount of salary cap room and, and, the, and the guys that are potentially available, I hope that Lou, you know, you know, if he needs to feel that he needs that he can get that that quality veteran D man that could that can make the team a little bit better. You know, hopefully he uh, goes and pulls the trigger. You you talked a little bit before about players that you know the team might make available at the trade deadline. Who who are some of the players you think that they may be willing to ship out? in order to get this uh, offensive help and maybe defensive help that they're looking for? Well, obviously I think the key, I think the key is going to be the picks. Um, you know, as far as players are concerned, I mean, you know, you've got guys that are, that are riding the bench, but you know, but there's always that expression, you know, you need to give something to get something. Um, you know, you look at contract situations, you know, there's a couple of guys that are obviously restricted free agents and we're not talking about Matthew Barzell. Uh, but, you know, you've got guys in the minors, you've got, you know, you've got some disgruntleds and, you know, um, I, I think it's going to take a, you know, a couple of picks and maybe, uh, you know, a guy, you know, and I hate to say it, but maybe a Kunako like player or something like that, you know, to, you know, to possibly ship in order to, you know, get that kind of player. And, and like I said, I, I, I really just don't like to speculate so much because to me, it, it, it all, again, it all still depends on say, you know, by the end of this week and, and, and who, uh, who could be available. You know, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, it's, I think this is going to be overall for the NHL. I think one of the most interesting trade deadlines in a long time, because a lot of teams really feel they can, you know, make some moves and make their team better. I agree. It's going to be a very interesting trade deadline. Uh, one other question I wanted to ask you as far as the the immediate future, you talked about five games coming up in an eight-day period. How important is the goalie rotation going to be over these next eight days? Well, from what I read in Newsday today from Andrew Gross, that it seems like that um, Barry Trotz may be back to reverting to the uh, the tandem system that that really worked well during the 17 game stretch. Um, it just it just seems you know we know last year there were times that Robin Leonard was you know playing out of his mind and 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 played five or six games in a row and then Thomas Grice would then you know take over and he played out of his mind and was playing you know three or four games in a row. It just that that equation just hasn't seemed to work, and I don't think it's a negative testament to him because if you look at our number, our defensive numbers, we're still in the top ten, in the top five in the league, as far as you know goals against and and uh, goals you know you know goals against average and save percentage and things like that. But I I really think the team responded to the uh, to the tandem situation. You know, like I said, Varley played a very good game. You know, last night, um, Grice played well against L.A., you know, and um, obviously I believe Grice will be in that tomorrow when the Islanders take on the Capitals in a, in, a, in a tremendously huge game. But with this upcoming road trip, you know, and, and, you know, having to traverse the country, you know, going from, you know, home on Tuesday, you know, fly to Nashville, play Nashville on Thursday night, and then get on a plane and, and head to Las Vegas, 
uh, and dealing with the West Coast time and dealing with Arizona two days later and then Colorado, you're bouncing back and forth from time zone to time zone. I, I think the tandem system is, is the absolute necessary need for this team right now. And, you know, I, I they, they played their best when, when Grice and Varley were playing every other day, you know, because it's keeping both of them fresh. And I think right now, this is this is absolutely the must move for for them. All right, let's look ahead to tonight's game against the Washington Capitals. Maybe catching the Caps at the right time. They've lost three of their last five. Although, you know, they lost at home in their last game to the Flyers, seven to two. I'm not so sure if being embarrassed like that at home sets them up to come out and and come at the Islanders like gangbusters, or whether it deflates them a little bit. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm 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 torn on that too because usually that, that you know usually those types of games wake a sleeping giant and you know um, you know the coaching staff in Washington comes out of the Barry Trot system so you know you know usually when when a team you know when a team like Washington or a team like Islanders gets embarrassed with the way they had that you know the next game they're going to come out not necessarily come out gangbusters but you know there's going to be a different attitude and there's going to be a little bit more discipline to their game so i think you know if i'm if i'm behind the bench of the islanders i really say that for the first five six minutes of the game you you have to really go at them you know you know you have that achilles heel if you will you know that from from the last game from the last night's game you know saturday night's game sorry against philly You've got to go at them hard. You've got to go at them right away. You know, try to establish your forecheck, um, you know, play, you know, brains to the wall and, and try to get an early goal on them. Try to rattle them. I mean, Braden Holpe has not been the Braden Holpe of two years ago, you know, when the Caps won the Stanley Cup Finals. He's, uh, his save percentage is under 900. He's not been reliable. You know, I mean, they bring Sinsonoff up. He's got a, a tremendous season, but – you you only hope if it's Holpe and Net tomorrow night or tonight I should say that they uh, they they go at him hard and try to expose you know the the, the weaknesses that he have and, and and get an early lead on him because I think a lot of times when you can with the exception of the game at the Coliseum that I missed that they had the four goal lead and blew it usually when you when you play Washington and you get a lead on them early you can establish yourself and, and, and do well but you know so that's gets they got to come out really hard you know and unlike the game against Washington at the Coliseum a couple of weeks ago they have to sustain that for the full 60 minutes obviously when you talk about the Capitals you have to bring up the great eight Alex Ovechkin 40 goals having a real Cy Young season with 17 assists but what do the Islanders have to do to try to slow down Alexander Ovechkin? It's hard to slow him down necessarily because, you know, I mean, he, uh, he's just, he knows how to either put on the gear when he needs to and take it off. But the, the thing that, that always crazes me whenever I watch Washington play with a Seattle's or any other team, it just seems like he always seems to be open. You know, he's not an elusive guy. He's not, I mean, yes, he's got great speed and, you know, he's got great acceleration, but, you know, you can't, you, you have to just be aware of his presence and, and not, you know, try to, you know, you're not going to be able to double team the guy, but you have to, you have to know when he's around and you have to be able to, 
keep somebody with him, and you know, especially obviously on the power play, because you know that's his forte, where you know he's going to sit, you know, by the uh, the right faceoff circle and just and just slam, slam, slam. Um, you know, uh, I would, I certainly hope and pray that you know number six, you know number seven hundred doesn't come at the expense of the Islanders tonight, but uh, you know. You you gotta you gotta be able to contain him, but you you can't wear down on everybody. You know, let loose on everybody else because you know the Capitals got a ton of weapons. You know, it's not just Alexander Ovechkin. You know, you got Carlson, you got Backstrom, you got all Kinsenetsov, you got all these guys that can beat you. And you know, and and some days some games will step up for Alex. So you've got, like I said, you've got to come out, establish yourself, but play a full full solid 60-minute game in order to get the two points. I'm going to mention one Washington Capital name that you didn't mention, an, an Islander fan favorite. Your thoughts on Tom Wilson? Again, falls again, he falls into the, to me, the Dale Hunter school. You know, I mean, you know, if he's on your, if he's your team, your teammate, if he's your, on your team, you love the man, you know, but he, but you know, he's an antagonist. He causes problems, and you just can't—you can't be suckered into him. And a lot, a lot of teams—that's when they—they they fail—is when they get suckered into Wilson's Wilson's routine. You know, um, you know, uh, it, since he plays on a Vetchkin's line, that that makes it sometimes all the more difficult. But you know, um, but take away the antagonism and take away the. You know, the, the the hate for the man. He is a he is a decent hockey player. I mean, he does can put up a twenty goal year. You know, despite the fact of doing what he does. But you know what? If that takes pressure away off other guys to be able to to you know to perform offensively, then you know the man is earning his paycheck. No question. And for some reason, he always seems to be playing his best hockey when he takes the ice against the Islanders. Yes. Um, and I just hope he has a bad game for a change. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We always do a, a segment, excuse me, called This Date in Islanders History. I wanted to do it a little differently now that I have you, Gary. I know you you have followed this team for quite some time, and uh, you know a lot about the team's history. This Date in Islanders History today goes back to February 10th, 1983 game at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Uh, fittingly enough, the Islanders and the Washington Capitals. And the big uh, moment from this game, Islanders uh, end up winning this contest by a score of 8-3. to three. Poor, uh, poor Al Jensen was the uh, starting goalie for the Washington wow. Capitals. Islanders had Roley the goalie, Roland Melanson. Uh, a hat trick in this game for Mike Bossy, along with an assist and four assists for Brian Trottier. Talk to me a little bit about the trio grand line and, and what that line meant to the Islanders back in the, in the glory days. Wow. Um, yeah. It brings back a, a ton of memories. I mean, just, you know, for, for the younger audience that are, they're listening to this podcast now, you know, the, the game of the 19th, late, 70s to the late 80s you know offense was was paramount you know you you know everybody knows about Wayne Gretzky and the, you know but some you know people know 
OnlyFans know about the history of Mike Bossy, but I mean, the way you you have to think about it, you'll you'll never as good as Alex Ovechkin is, and as good as you know, you know, some of these guys can you know get these you know 500 goal years or whatever. But you, I mean, you never had a man who averaged 50 goals a year. I mean, that's just you know, that's one of those things you're never going to see again. No, despite the fact that that offense is coming up in the league and the number of points are coming up, and you know, and and guys are getting 50 goals again, or you know, guys like Pasternak and 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 Ovechkin and that are doing their thing. But it was just an amazing line because you know, it one day it's Bossy getting a hat trick, another day it's it's Trachi putting up five points. Next game, 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 it's Gillies doing the damage. Um, you know, it just, it just set the tone, you know, and it just made, it was a foundation of what was, you know, an amazing team. And, you know, you, you, you always were on the edge of your seat, you know, whether you were at the Coliseum or you were watching the game on sports channel, you know, when, when 1922 and nine went on the ice together, because you knew, Sooner or later, something exciting was going to happen. You know, a highlight. You know, there's no no highlight real goals in in 1983 because there wasn't ESPN and all that stuff. But you know, it was just exciting to watch. And whether you whether you were an Islander fan or not, you know, you you always knew something was going to come up when those guys hit the ice. You know, Gillies in this game only quote unquote had a goal and an assist. But yeah, those. Talk a little bit about the chemistry between those three guys. Well, that was, I mean, that, I mean, the success of any line is, is chemistry and, and, you know, um, you know, I mean, Bossy and Trotty were best friends. I know that they were always hanging out together and stuff like that, you know, and you, you have to, you know, you have to feel in order for, for a line to work so well, you just have to know not only, you know, what, the players' tendencies are, but to know what they're thinking as the game goes, you know, kind of like the unwritten rule, you know, they, you know, where, you know, if a certain, uh, you know, place coming up towards the blue line, you know, that, you know, your one winger is going to be hanging here and this one, you know, and your other winger is going to be doing this. And, and, and Trotz always knew, you know, where to find, where to find Bossy or, you know, know that Gillies was going to crash the net, you know, and do whatever they could do to, you know, to make that great pass or that great shot. And, you know, like you said, it's just, it's just a testament to, you know, the coaching staff, you know, that Arbor allowing these guys to just basically freelance. And they were just, it just looked, it looked like second nature to those guys on the ice. It looked, it looked like they've been playing, they were playing together since then, since peewee, as opposed to, uh, you know, coming together in the NHL. And like I said, I, I, it just, it's I I you do see you know certain lines and certain uh, teams have you know guys that really work together but you know it, it's other than say the Gretzky Curry line you know and you know the Bossy line I don't I don't think you really see successful lines for that long of a period of time that they, that you know those guys you know had um, and yeah I don't think you'll ever see it again. Yeah, all, all three of those guys in the Hall of Fame and deservedly so. Uh, Gary, we're going to wrap things up right now before we let you go. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you let our listeners know when they can hear your show? Because it's a, it's a great sports show uh, on, uh, on uh, Sports Talk 1240. Yeah, so actually you can um, 
my show is on, for people who don't know, WGBB 1240 AM, which is a local Long Island station based out of Merrick, New York. Um, Sports Talk 1240 is on every Sunday night from 8 o'clock to 10. Um, I am part of a rotating list of, uh, of hosts. Um, I do have a partner by the name of John Tanneries, who is a, uh, a blind hockey fan that probably knows more hockey than most people I know. And uh, we, we usually talk mostly a lot about the Islanders. We go into uh, in-depth things like you do on your podcast. We have some interviews. Um, we've had some great guests, former players, um, Jake McDonald, among others. Um, it's a great show. Um, I'm actually not going to be on for a little bit um, as uh, the schedule hasn't worked out. But um, if you want to check it out, but again, there's a great. it's not just hockey. It's not just Islanders, but there's a lot of uh, – things you can check out. It's www.sportstalk1240.com. Unless you're on the South Shore of Long Island, then you can listen to us on the on the terrestrial radio of 1240 AM or 95.9 FM. But uh, again, it's, it's, you know, uh, labor love like you do, like you have with your podcast. And um, like I said, I'm also involved with the, the Islander Booster Club, which I mentioned, which is the, uh, the official support group of the Islanders uh, franchise that's been around since 1972 and uh, if you want to check that out too nyibooster.org is the well uh, you're very very welcome and thanks so much for being here and uh, always a pleasure to talk a little hockey with the one and only Gary Harding All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.